0: as I was walking up for communion, just this overwhelming sense. I was praying, Lord, conform my heart to yours. And just having this overwhelming sense of him remind me that his heart is pierced. And in that Eucharist, the only reason we have the Eucharist is because he said yes to that sacrifice and to that pain. But through that pain and sacrifice is the joy and the glory. And just this rush of emotion of everything everybody in that parish was feeling, the joy, the sorrow, the heartache the worry, all of that, and just reminding me that if I want to conform my heart to his, that it is pierced and it is broken, but it is filled with love and mercy for the whole world.
1: Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for I Am org.
2: And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we're thrilled to welcome our guest, Rocky McCormick, to share her story.
0: Welcome, Rocky. Well, hello. hello Thank you hello. so much for your patience and <laughs> training, you know, work with my schedule to get here.
1: Oh, we're so delighted to have you. And um and you're no stranger to the studio here. I am not. It's deja vu just missing Nicole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh the Beyond Sunday podcast that you hosted this last
0: year. Sure. So for the last year, Nicole Joyce and I hosted the Beyond Sunday podcast, which really explored the Sunday gospel reading and how we as families could live it out throughout the week and really make it not just a Sunday experience, but incorporate it into the lived witness of our lives. Sure. And then through that draw others into to the love and mercy of of Christ. Beautiful,
1: well yeah, it's a a great podcast, so if you haven't checked it out yet, you can do so at UnleashTheGospel.org. But we are so excited to have you in today to dive into your I Am Here story. So um, yeah, thanks for being willing to kind of talk through what the Lord has done in your life. We're very, very grateful. Um, Before we dive in, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh Um, gosh, I hate these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Can someone else tell you about me Oh my goodness. No,
0: I live in the metro area, of course, with my husband, Tim. We have three children, Mm -hmm. currently ages 13. 11 and seven, I always, <laughs> I always trip up on that. Like when you go to the doctor's <laughs> office and they're like, give me their birth date, and I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> details, lots of I details. Know. And you know what, I've done various ministries in the archdiocese, I've worked for the archdiocese, I've worked in several parishes of the archdiocese. I currently work for the Coming Home Network, which is an independent apostolate that works with people who are curious about the Catholic Church and walking with them through their journey of conversion. Beautiful. So that's where I am now. Um, I've done some creative work here and there, and yeah, I just just am a practicing Catholic in that I am practicing every day to be a better disciple and, and daughter of God, so.
1: Beautiful, and what parish are you part of out here?
0: Um, we are at Guardian Angels in Claussen.
1: Awesome, we are um, so glad to have you and uh, get into your story a bit, so let's kind of start From the very beginning, Um, let's go way back. What was faith life like for you as a young person?
0: Yeah, so for those who don't know, I grew up Hindu, and my family growing up was mostly in Iowa. We lived in a couple other places, but the majority of my childhood was in central Iowa. And so it was a very isolated experience, but it was one that was really rooted in a love of God and the understanding that God loved me. Mm Um, I my parents struggled with infertility and so I was born 15 years into their marriage and so I always knew that I was very much loved and wanted and that that God had blessed them after many years of prayer and struggle Mm. with my life but you know as a child it was also very isolating not to be part of the the common culture there were no Hindu temples mm-hmm. in our area. And so it was very much just an isolated. We had a closet that we had converted into a little prayer space. And mm-hmm. so we had daily prayer morning and night. I would see my dad and my mom go in and, and pray their prayers. And so that prayer rhythm of prayer was very much a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and you know, had more school activities and all of that, that kind of stopped being a focus. Now we would still go to um, local shrines and temples. And so we would travel for like the larger festivals in pujas and pujas and celebrate with community. But with it not being a daily part of our lives in that larger cultural community, it was really easy to compartmentalize that and not mm-hmm. have that be part of just my everyday life. Um, and I was very lost. Mm-hmm.
2: So you talk about um, knowing God's love, mm-hmm. but then you had an experience of encountering Christ's mercy. Yes. So this was in California, right? Yes. Yeah. Can you I tell was, us a little about Sure,
0: about sure. Well, I'd like, say my very first encounter with Christ was my neighbor, mm-hmm. who was the first person who, when I was like 12 or 13, asked me if I even knew Jesus. And so and that was kind of that, that opening of the door, I think. And then I had gone off to college and was just searching for just somewhere to belong and to know who I was and and why God had created me. And so I was off in California with my parents, who are Hindu, and my, I guess, quote, unquote, godparents, who are Jewish. And so on Christmas morning, since none of us were Christian, we actually went and served at a homeless shelter. It was Brother Benno's Benedictine homeless shelter in San Diego. And so I and a 21-year-old young Marine were handing out toys to the kids. So like we were the ones who were giving them their Christmas present. And I had been dabbling in reading some scripture and kind of visiting churches on my own, just trying to figure out who God was, who I was, all of that. And so like Matthew 25 immediately was Mm -hmm. like brought to life, you know, and so I encountered God
2: in the least. Did Mm -hmm. your parents know that you were
0: Yeah. So this is funny actually. (laughs) I had gone to some churches and I think I had a friend who was Presbyterian and so I started wearing a cross and my godmother side who's Jewish. She's like, What is that? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm Christian. They're like, Really? I'm like, Yeah, but I'm a Presbyterian. I had not been baptized. <gasps> I had not actually been a member of a church. I had no idea. Oh my <laughs> like none whatsoever. But I just decided. <laughs> so there, there you go. I, I don't even know what Presbyterians had believed, like nothing. Oh. But um
2: And there was no like friction with Your parents? No, they thought it was
0: a phase. Okay. You know, she's just figuring things out. (laughs) Okay, very cool. And you know, like my mom was just glad that I was searching for God Mm -hmm. to make that part of my life again. Mm. Um, But no, they both, both the godparents and my parents just thought it was a phase and I'd figure things out later, I guess. Wow. Yeah, and so that really, um, I think two things stuck with me from, from that experience. One was definitely that mystical encounter with the person of Christ in the least.
3: Mm.
0: You know, the scriptures coming alive. And the other one was the witness of this young Marine who, whose birthday it was that day. And he chose to be there mm. instead of on base because he did not want to drink. Mm. And he didn't want to be forced into doing something he did not believe in as a Baptist. Mm. And my university life was very different. And I couldn't think of one friend I had who would not be bar hopping on their 21st birthday. And so when he explained that he was there because jesus had died for him and this was his way to honor him that was completely foreign to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that continued my journey into figuring out who this jesus was
2: Mm -hmm. all because Mm -hmm. of that experience with that Young Marine on his twenty-first birthday. And that, yeah, that and I always
0: say, you know, God has a sense of humor. I'm a 19-year-old girl, and you're going to send me a 21-year-old <laughs> ma- Marine <laughs> to show me your your glory and yeah, yeah and to witness to you. Yeah, right? and it's
2: that's I mean that that's the power of the gospel, right? In yeah. those uh, seemingly unexpected places, because we're – we're hardly ever expecting to encounter the gospel anywhere outside of church, right in a direct way like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we have this call to to truly be uh, missionary disciples and to be joyful about it, mm-hmm. you could see, I'm sure that experience that that young man was was joyful in mm-hmm. the sense that uh, like he knew he knew what was truth. He knew what his faith was, and he yeah. wasn't willing to compromise that.
0: One hundred percent, And it wasn't anything complicated. Like he didn't mm-hmm. go into apologetics. Mm-hmm. He didn't start quoting scriptures to me. Like mm-hmm. it was just, this is who I am. This is what I do.
2: Yeah. And that's where the most powerful encounters happen and the most powerful yeah. witnesses. I might've shared it before, but I was talking with a young man a few months ago and um, he's he was Catholic, um, but kind of fallen away and then came back to the church. He was uh confirmed and uh at mass one day i was preaching about evangelization sharing the gospel and he came back to me and he asked he he said i was at the bar last week and he said i just try i just started talking to this this guy who was there about um you know like morality pro-life issues things like that and and just like talking about Jesus he was like w- was that evangelization? I was like yeah. yes <laughs> yeah. precisely. Right, right. Yeah. those those unexpected places right. the bar you know ministering with with somebody mm-hmm. um just trying to do good.
0: What's well, docility to the spirit right? Mm-hmm. Like if the spirit moves us to share share exactly. like we don't know what door that's going to open and what seed that's going to plant.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um this interaction with this young man clearly yeah. had an impact. So what um What were some of the, uh, as you continued to kind of search for truth and meaning after this experience, Mm -hmm. where did you look? What did you go to? What were some of those experiences that stand out in your
0: memory? You know, it's so long ago now, like the specifics kind of (laughs) of all turn into this this blur. But I I think I just continued searching, going to different churches. And then like my best friend finally figured out a little bit what I was doing Uh and invited me to church with her. Okay. Like about a year later. Okay. Not, Not even quite a year later. And so she was Catholic, and she was going to the Newman Center on campus. Mm -hmm. And so she invited me to come to Mass with her. Got it. So that was how I ever ended up coming into a Catholic church, because I don't think I—again, like, I had no idea about different denominations, nothing. Christian was just Christian.
1: So you— you, you just went to mass like for the first time with her did she yeah. give you any context prepare you no. what was that kind of did you just she dive did. in the deep end <laughs> No, she's a good Catholic
0: Catholic school girl so Wonderful. she did. <laughs> okay. and I had known her so I had known her in high school but we were in competing like we competed against each other oh. Um, and so I had known her from her Catholic high school and uh. all of that, so I, I knew who she like I had known some of that context. Mm. But no, she told me what to expect from the Mass a little bit, especially okay. in terms of what I couldn't do. She's like, you're gonna stand, you're gonna kneel, you're gonna sit, um, and then when we go up for communion, you can't have it. And, I was oh. like, she's like, and she went like really briefly into, you know, we believe as Catholics that this is, who, this is Jesus, yeah. and so only Catholics can come forward because it's a common belief. Mm. Um, and so you can come forward for a blessing. I think at the time they didn't like, I just stayed in my seat. Sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, so like she was sure that I understood that it wasn't that it was exclusionary, but that it was a very specific belief of Catholics. And that is why Catholics come to the table in communion. Sure. Right.
1: What yeah. were some of like your first impressions of the mass and, and, and having kind of that brief catechesis from your friend, yeah. how did you feel about that? Um, just being invited, but also, um, you know, uh, not not necessarily fully entering in um, uh,
0: yeah. during communion. You know, I know that we get a lot of flack a lot of times of being exclusionary, but I think for me, it made me sense that there was something special going on mm. and and that it was an act of reverence and not um, exclusion is the only word that, that comes to mind. So it wasn't that they didn't want others to come to the table, but that there was something that was special going on, that it was reverent. We needed to understand what it was before we could fully participate right. in what was going on there and I just I think probably I was overwhelmed but also I was just taking it all in because it was my first mass. Yeah. I love music so we had like a really vibrant choir at the parish cool. and so I think I was just taking in all the music trying to figure out where the songs were <laughs> in the hymnal, like figuring out what a hymnal was right? Right. all of those things and we had the worship aid so I was mm-hmm. following along in all of that too um, I very much think that I was just Taking it all in, I don't yeah. think my mind was processing much of anything at all. Sure, I like, so like to take it. That was yeah. your
2: first time coming to mass. Yeah. What? So, what kept you coming back?
0: Well, that was that was the mass where, at the elevation,
4: mm-hmm.
0: when the priest held up the Eucharist, was where I had that mystical experience of Jesus. And this was the first mass, very first mass <laughs> I ever went to. Yeah. The Lord didn't yeah. wait. No. No, at the elevation just this interior voice knowing that it was jesus saying i'm here i am real and your home hmm.
2: wow.
0: and so that and wanting to receive that that's what made me c- keep coming back
4: wow
2: so well, that's enough I
4: know. <laughs> <laughs> pretty powerful
0: <laughs> yeah so it was it was it was that mass where i said okay like i want to receive what do i have to do to wow. do that because mm-hmm. he is jesus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do I receive him? And then I entered RCIA that next year.
2: So I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Sure. um, So have you ever experienced that again?
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, Jesus, he's been very kind to me with those graces Mm -hmm. and having those mystical experiences. And one that really comes to mind um, was actually after I had moved to Michigan. And I think it was after Tim and I were married, but we were at at mass and I was just preparing myself to go receive him. And as I was walking up for communion, just this overwhelming sense, I was praying, Lord, conform my heart to yours. And just having this overwhelming sense of him remind me that his heart is pierced. And in that Eucharist, the only reason we have the Eucharist is because he said yes to that sacrifice and to that pain. But through that pain and sacrifice is the joy and the glory. Mm -hmm. Um, And just this rush of emotion of everything everybody in that parish was feeling the joy the sorrow the heartache the worry all of that and just reminding me that if I want to conform my heart to his that it is pierced Mm. and it is broken but it is filled with love and mercy for the whole world Mm. yeah yeah he does so what
2: about those masses where you don't <laughs> which that? is
0: probably the majority right? <laughs> let's be honest, we have three little kids oh. especially. like when they're little, it's just let's go no, um, you know, and it is it I think it's an intentionality mm-hmm. because I've had those graces, I can fall back on that mm. to remind myself that God has been so good in revealing himself to me in that way, and that whether I feel it or not that God isn't a feeling. Mm that if I believe that who He says He is is true, then He is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in that Eucharist, whether I feel it or not. Mm-hmm. And really um, making it more of a spiritual practice to make myself more intentional when I am receiving Him to remember who it is that I am receiving. Because mm-hmm. you can get into that rote, okay. You know, even being reverent, you can get in into that rote repetition sure. of what we do every Sunday or every time we go to Mass, even at daily Mass, and forget the magnanimity of who you are receiving mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and just the enormity of the gift that He has given us. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You mentioned you use the word grace mm-hmm. um, in that mystical experience that, that you had. and yeah. um, the Lord gives gives some of us those kind of yeah. kinds of um, just real very powerful, you know, manifestations Mm -hmm. of, of his love, whether it's through, you know, a voice or just hearing, hearing, uh, just in our hearts and and in our minds. Um, and those are the experiences that, um, we have to live out of, right? Because we don't, you know, um, you know, like even as a priest, like there are sometimes celebrating mass where it's just, uh, can be overwhelming. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are other times when it's not, Mm -hmm. um, But what I have to remember are those moments of of grace, Mm -hmm. because I know myself so well. (laughs) Like you know, like who's doing? I'm doing what? Um, Right. Like who uh, am I?
0: That yeah, I'm not worthy of this.
2: But those those moments of you know, like uh, consolation, knowing Mm -hmm. knowing the Lord's presence. That's what sustains us in our life um, of. Uh, in our relationship with the Lord, in our fidelity yeah. to him. Um, and, and probably for most of us, um, though we live out of those moments more than we experience them.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think of it as any other relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not always going to have those feelings of of like yeah. when we first were falling in love. That doesn't sustain itself. Mm-hmm. Right. But we are no less in that relationship with the other person. And if that relationship is what we say it is, and if we believe it to be what it is, then out of love and out of fidelity and out of trust, we continue to show up and mm-hmm. we continue to make our sacrifice, trusting that their sacrifice is there too. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's no different with the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Okay, so you said there was a year between that first Mass and then when you entered RCIA. Mm-hmm. What was that year like? Did you continue to kind of explore various churches, or were you pretty I didn't. Set? I was
0: set. Wow. Right? Like, oh the minute I entered RCIA, like, I knew. Yeah. Jesus had said, yeah. and I knew. And to be honest, like, my personality type, I was a joiner. So, like, I liked joining organizations. That was cool. kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was involved in all of that, and I was going through this with my best friend. Yeah. Now I was... Nineteen, I think, at the time, maybe wow. twenty, and so we didn't necessarily pay the closest of attention <laughs> in, in RCIA, sure. but you know, I I think back on it with a lot of love for our campus minister that was leading RCIA too, because wow. he was so patient. Hmm and kind of ignored a little bit of the, <laughs> maybe, joking around that we did. <laughs> but also because I was being baptized, some of the things that they were teaching didn't apply to me. And so oh, instead sure. of listening and learning, I was like, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just float back here. Yeah. But he was so patient and took mm-hmm. the time to like one-on-one work with me through my questions. And wow. one of my biggest questions was about yeah. salvation mm-hmm. because my parents were not coming into the church and what did that mean? What wow. did that mean?
1: Yeah.
0: And then it came to the Eucharist. And it did come to that question of if this is Jesus, why can't everybody have him?
1: Right,
0: right. Why do we exclude? And you know, he was so good and he said, Rocky, it breaks Jesus's heart too. We do want everybody. That is the goal. But we've talked like, you know, but here is why. And we've talked about why, but that is the goal and it breaks his heart too. So stay there, stay heartbroken. Wow. Because that's what the Lord the lord wants everyone at the table
1: right wow yeah how did so. your your relationship with jesus in the eucharist mm-hmm. uh, kind of grow and develop during this time especially you know after receiving that kind of truth from your campus minister how how did that impact the way you related to jesus personally in the eucharist i th- I'll
0: be honest, I think it took a lot of years
1: for me to unpack a lot of that because I didn't have the sure. language,
0: right? Yeah. I didn't have the understanding. And so it was little by little, more and more was revealed. Yeah. Um, and then right after I came into the church, my dad passed away. And then we moved. I moved to Texas, <laughs> halfway, out, really all the way across the country. Yeah. And so the community that I had had kind of disappeared. And so it was very much just an ebb and flow. But I think with the Eucharist and just God's fidelity he always placed somebody in my life that would be there Mm. to remind me come to church
4: Mm.
0: he's there like I got to Texas and I kind of fell away because I didn't have a community and I didn't know what to do I was brand new I'd just come in I just lost my dad um and my graduate supervisor ended up being a real devout Catholic that would invite me to church with her and her husband and her family and invite me to sing in the choir with them. And oh. then I moved up to Michigan, same thing, kind of like floating, not really sure. Hadn't really grown too much in the faith because I didn't get the, the full experience of the mystagogy because I wasn't there. And the campus minister at Oakland University was on my interview commu- oh. committee. And I ended up ingrained in that c- community, wow. which is where all of it really began to get unpacked and I began to develop this deeper relationship with Jesus and understand more what that Eucharistic community was mm. and began to go to adoration, which I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know what adoration was when I came into the church back wow. in the mid-90s. That wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, it certainly occurred, but it wasn't as commonplace as it is, as it is now, which is such a gift to us yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then, too, that commingling of taking in the Eucharist and sitting before the Lord and gazing upon Him as He gazes upon me, but then also realizing that there is a power in that, mm. and that the greatest thing that we can do when we consume Him is take Him back out into the world, and that there is a missioning that happens with the Eucharist, that it's not just me and Jesus. Mm. I mean that's a beautiful part, too, and I love that, but it's incomplete if i if I hoard him, <laughs> which I sometimes want to do, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when life gets busy and you've got a lot of kids and things are going on. But I think that has been kind of this next phase mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a phase, but a next um, growth and understanding mm-hmm. right that he really is food Wow that He is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and we're given this enormous gift to be able to consume Him, Mm. so that we can then bring other people into that Mm -hmm. same relationship with Him.
2: And Mm. it's it's part of the meaning of uh, uh, why we use the term communion, right? Mm -hmm. You know that that the Lord um, in everything that He does, He always brings unity where there is division. You know, He brings unity. even in death and so at you know we say that at mass heaven meets earth right right and um so this this great uh rejoicing that's happening in heaven as as the angels and saints look upon the lord so we too um uh, in a little bit of a different way Mm -hmm. but uh nonetheless as present as he is you know uh, for them he is to us in the holy eucharist it's a way that we are united and so even You probably didn't know it at the time, or maybe you did, um, when you were going through that that time of grief, you know, uh, having lost your father. Um, You know, obviously, as as Catholics, we believe that we have the fullness of truth found Mm -hmm. in Christ, Um, but the church does not teach, and she does not believe that, um, you know, there is no hope for those outside of the Catholic church. Um, And so uh the we believe that that there are there are seeds of the word um found in 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 other uh religions right. and you know in, in other beliefs um you mentioned there was a strong emphasis on love of god mm-hmm. in your family and so um even if he wasn't a catholic you know yeah. we we can have that hope that your your dad is a is a part of the communion of saints right. and that's where that um that that union mm-hmm you know, even, even with your dad, through the Eucharist yeah. um, happens. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing mm-hmm. and it's heart, right. you know, exploding. But, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... It it's, been,
0: you know, you say that my, my mom passed away early in COVID and mm-hmm. my daughter was very angry with God. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually how I got her to go to Mass, was to explain that wow. at that point in the Mass, that's when, when we're one, mm-hmm. when heaven and earth are one. Like, you miss Theta? this is why you go to Mass, mm-hmm. right? Wow. And then interiorly, not out loud, you can yell at Jesus. It's okay. <sighs> he can take it. You should be angry. It's not right. Death mm-hmm. is not what God intended. So, no, that is such such a beautiful thing. Wow. I would, just one other thing that came to me um, in terms of like that next phase. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it is that I'm more fully realizing that when I encounter Jesus in the Eucharist, like when he is fully present and I consume him, that every time, every time there should be something in me that changes, Mm. Mm. that is transformed into being more of his likeness. Mm. And I think that that is the humbling, (laughs) right? Thank God for reconciliation. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Um,
0: I think that's like the the next part of, of unwrapping that whole understanding. Like just even looking back on the transformation that happened from where I was in college to just coming into the church and then coming into the church and then really offering my life to the Lord, which were two Mm -hmm. different things. Mm -hmm. Like I joined when I came into the church, I joined the church. But then there was a moment where I really, truly offered my life to the Lord and said, it's yours. Yeah. And then once you do that, (laughs) then figuring out what that actually means on a day-in, day-out basis Yeah.
1: so Absolutely. I admire the way, the wisdom with which you can kind of look back over time Mm -hmm. and, you know, acknowledge what the Lord was doing, even if you weren't even conscious of it at that point, but you know how he's brought you into this deeper understanding over time. Um, But you talk about, you know, day in, day out, now that you've offered your life to the Lord. um, I'm curious about Uh, How how you incorporate time with the Blessed Sacrament into your day to day um, as someone who is seeking this life of joyful missionary discipleship with little ones and you know a job and life not well not well
0: (laughs) not well (laughs) no it's funny Tim and I have been talking we would like to go back to doing a weekly Holy Hour and then he will always propose it I'll be like Uh, do we have to commit to something (laughs) because I might want to sleep no no um definitely being more intentional about being present at Mass. I think that is that is my biggest goal right now. I can't always, with my work schedule, with mm-hmm. other things going on, get to daily mass anymore, which I do miss, um, but when I am there, really truly recognizing who it is that I am approaching, mm-hmm. who it is I am consuming, who it is I am receiving, mm-hmm. and helping my children to do that. I think I'm in this phase of my life now where it isn't about my relationship with Jesus. Right, like I want to give them the foundation from which they can build that relationship, in doing whatever it takes. Like my prayer, oh, sorry, oh. my prayer always is that they will have a transformative experience and encounter with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Every Mass, every adoration, every confession, every prayer, because it's His relationship with them. They aren't going to get my relationship. They have to form their own, and that's hard in this world. And it's hard in this culture that gives them so many other options of things to worship. And it's hard in a world that says that there shouldn't be suffering and that they shouldn't feel anxiety and that they shouldn't ever be sad or depressed, that they should just always be happy. And so I think that is, just in this last year, that has become my real prayer and my real mission. And it isn't about my relationship with Jesus alone anymore. And it never has been. It never is. It's never again communion. It's never just about us, but very much giving them that place and that soft landing to know that no matter what else, he is here. He is with them.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Just, it's a beautiful testament to your vocation as a wife and a mother, and um, I'm very inspired by it. So, thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's that witness of faith, you know, mm-hmm. that you have first and foremost to to your children, um, to your family. Mm. And then um, that that witness that we have after the encounter is so essential, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we see that uh, whenever Jesus works in the scriptures, you know, yeah. we, we saw it uh, this past uh, Sunday um, was uh, the healing of Simon's mother-in-law, yeah. right? And so, uh, so she's healed and we hear immediately she gets up. And starts waiting on Jesus. Which
0: I'm sorry, I just always have the jokes like <laughs> they wanted to eat. Of course, they healed her.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's that. No, and then there's also, no but yeah. right,
0: right. Um, Our healing isn't just for us. Right, right. There's always a greater purpose.
2: Right. So yeah. thanks, um, <laughs> thanks for getting that, mm-hmm. and thanks for being, um, you know, that, that witness to, to your children, and and in all the varied, the many and varied <laughs> ways that you have been that witness in the church and yeah. outside the church as well.
1: Well, thank you, Rocky, for joining us and uh, sharing your story once again. We are so grateful to have had you. Thank you so
0: much for having me.
1: It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at iamhere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hello app in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.